Hello, I'm Scott Soshman. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, where we Oh, that was just so wimpy. I don't even... The me and we was we, there. That's all I can we tell We explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And today we begin with the kerfuffle, just because I love the word that's, kerfuffle. I'm like, whose word was that? That's that's a great word. I like kerfuffle. Colin, was that your word? That's Colin's word. Colin, he went with kerfuffle. Colin, okay. I like kerfuffle. Over the NFL's new helmet, we have Oakland's new wide receiver, Antonio Brown. You remember him from Pittsburgh. Refusing to wear the new model, which is mandated by the league. Yeah, but I got to say right here, it's not about the NFL's new helmet. That's not what this is about. Thank you, Colin. This is about Antonio Brown's old, old helmet. helmet. Right. right. There isn't one standard. There's a bunch of helmets you can wear as long as they are approved by, and I wrote it down because I didn't want to just use the, you know, the acronym, the National Operating Committee on Standards for Athletic Equipment. Whoa, look at that. Right. Shout out to Without the, the N-O-C-S-E. <laughs> Without the express written consent, huh? Right. But that's, and this organization does not certify equipment that's older than 10 years. That is why Antonio Brown's helmet that he's been using for his entire career can no longer get the stamp of approval from this organization. And NFL rules state that if it doesn't have the stamp of approval, you cannot wear it, you cannot play, you cannot practice. And if you don't play and if you don't practice, you don't get paid. So that's what this kerfuffle is about. But can I bring some added value here, Evan? Sure. What, can you? Yeah, I'm, what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my added value here. What bothers me about the whole setup, and by the way, this organization has been around since 1969, and by the way, you know my son plays hockey. There is still no standard for youth hockey helmets, just so you know. Um, what bothers me about this is that the organization, which is touted as independent, and I, I get it, you know, it's made up of medical professionals and equipment and trainers and all that, but they make their money. The majority of the money that this organization brings in comes from licensing fees that it charges the equipment manufacturers. Now, So the people who are getting raided are the ones supplying the money to the organization. Now, let me add something to this about the Antonio Brown. He has He's threatened to quit football. Right. If he is not allowed to wear his preferred helmet, he says he's, he's got going problems to from his head to his feet, literally. It, it, did you see the thing? The yeah. oh my goodness, his feet. He, what was it? Uh, it was <laughs> apparently what, what he went in a cryogenics chamber. And and he got. Uh, I tried bite? that. Yeah, I tried that. And but I put the little booties on. They told me to put the booties. On. He didn't put the booties on. I, apparently, he didn't put the booties on. Oh my goodness, it's a horrible looking picture. Another kerfuffle. Yeah, I, I think actually this the the the, the helmet. Argument is really interesting. The the NFL and the NFLPA, this is a, a joint decision yes. that they made to to approve specific ones to take out a one-year grace period, which was originally supposed to happen, which I think is one of the reasons why Antonio is so angry. You know, other players who are forced forced to switch this year, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you saw the NFL.com report, yeah. but but Antonio Brown told the Raiders, those guys aren't switching, so I'm not going to switch. And then the Raiders texted him a photo of, of Aaron yeah, Rodgers yes, in practice are, yes, they are with, with the new helmet yes. on. Uh, Brady's talked about it a bit. He's not happy either, but he's but he's making the switch. Um, Antonio Brown had his mediation process in New York at the end of last week. And his argument, did you read about his argument? Which no, I thought was, was actually fairly was interesting. Argument? His argument against the NFL is, listen, if I wear, if you don't let me wear the helmet I want to wear, and if I end up getting hurt... I'm going to bring down the wrath of a thousand sons legally against you guys because 
you've prevented me from wearing the thing I want to wear, and now suddenly I'm injured by because you restricted me from 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 protecting myself in the way I wanted to. Mike McCann myself. on line one. That's what we need. <laughs> but, I think it's an interesting argument. But the new helmet is supposed to be. When I say the new helmet, I'm saying it, that the NFL wants Brown to wear. The new is supposed to be safer. Yeah, it's safer specifically for uh, for skull fractures, I believe. Yeah, I mean, there's no, it doesn't guard against yeah, concussion. concussions or not. But why not doesn't the man? Here's my question: If I'm Antonio Brown, I call my manufacturer that supplies this helmet. Shut. Yeah. Set, sh- is it? Is it shut? Yeah. Okay, so it's shut, and you say submit this for approval to the N O C S A E. Get Which I assume they've done. I mean, I, I, or this is maybe it's just an older model that they're not they're not going to make for you know for scale, so they're not submitting. Maybe they're just submitting new models. But why don't they? <laughs> why don't they have a helmet that he feel comfortable in that passes approval? Yeah, and again, he has he has many many to choose from. Yeah, um, they make a lot and, of helmets, and, and he is and he is saying that they all interfere with his vision and his ability to catch the ball. I I the idea that he would one of the best receivers in football over the past you know six or seven years. The idea that he would retire in the middle of his career with uh, with with a fifty million dollar contract on table, sitting, right. on, yeah, it, it seems crazy to me. Um, but you know, th- there have been some weird NFL stories lately, and this is just just one of them. I am sorry to bring uh, racing into this, but remember when the Hans device was introduced? The head to and NASCAR? neck, head and yes, neck, yes, exactly. Thank you. And a lot of drivers were like, "Oh heck, no, I don't want to wear this." Very and restrictive. It, and it came in right after. Uh, the accident, uh, the fatal accident with Dale Earnhardt. I'm going to go just in, come on. This is is the human condition. They change anything here. Like, we have to change a new format that we're using when we type on our computers. And everybody moans for, like, whatever. And then you get used to it in a day. And you're like, oh, okay, that's easy. One other (laughs) question on that. I mean, do you think this is the kind of thing where in some future lawsuit where the NFL is maybe being sued by former players for not – doing enough about potential head injuries that the NFL can trot this out as an example and say, listen, we, we tried to help and there were players that did not want to help themselves when it comes to head injuries. This feels like the kind of thing that it, that is maybe evidence in a future lawsuit that, that players are not always even willing to take the necessary steps forward um, to, to protect well, they've themselves already made from that the argument. game. They, they've made that argument. They said the players have known the risks and ignored them. I mean, that's part of, that's inherent in the argument already. They mm-hmm. should have known. Up next, we have word of an interesting Major League Baseball game on the schedule for 2020 between the Yankees and the White Sox. And I'll give you a hint. If you build it, oh, he did it. He will come. Oh, they will come. If you build it, they no, will No, I thought come. it was he. I thought it was they. I'm not sure. If you I, build it, they will come. No, it's, I think it, I think it's he, but oh, I'm, not sure. okay, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm staking reputation on this. I wasn't adamant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to cause a kerfuffle. <laughs> a corn, a cornfield kerfuffle. That would be bad. <laughs> you got my ear. Anyway, they're going to. Uh, Field of Dreams, uh, you know that classic 1989 film. Uh, they're going to play that game in the cornfield well, next in the 2020. Cornfield. They're well, building a field next to the field, but, I mean, we're talking about it, and it raised eyebrows when it was announced, and people seem to think it's really cool. The Yankees and the White Sox are going. Eben, you know, baseball, I don't know if you were... We we start we chatted about this a little at the desk last week. I wasn't sure if you were on board with this or like this is silly. 
I I mean I think that's a silly. Yeah, no, I think I, I think I think it's like shades of both. I, I think this is a smart idea. Baseball uh, under Rob Manfred has made it clear that it wants to do games like this, right? And that's not just games at neutral sites in London or Japan. Yeah, they go to or Williamsport, Williamsport, Fort Bragg, uh, Disney Wide World of Sports, Omaha. I mean, the, this is a priority. Um, you can't do a million of these games. But if you do one or two of these a year, it's going to be a, a massive ticket, right? I imagine these it's are sort going of to like be a the NHL ticket. outdoor game. You don't want to, exactly. You don't want to get too many. Yeah, but. you don't want too many. But if you if you if you do something fun and unique for fans that that presents the game in a totally new and unique place every once in a while, I think that's I think that's smart business. What happens to the field after the game? I don't know. I mean, I uh, that's they a good question. They must be taking it down. They'll take uh, down. There's got to be temporary. Eight thousand seats. It's eight thousand seats. So it's going to be a small. When these go on sale, what do we think the, the the secondary market or what do you think the price is going to be? Like, I think this is people are going to want to go. I think the secondary market's going to be high. It'd be insane, right? Very yeah. high resale value on these tickets. People are going to want to be there. Yeah, I would want to see this game. Mm. And I'm going to I'm going to annoy Evan right here because we have different views on this. But I can't wait to see Zach Hample. In, in in the corn, <laughs> waiting to catch home runs. <laughs> he's in a thresher. <laughs> exactly. yeah. You're gonna see him just like taking down a row to get to the ball when it's hit over the fence. You know, it, it, the, there was you know, it was mentioned this uh, earlier. They were talking about uh, this game, and I remember way they? back, it, uh, Mr. Tom Keen. Oh, okay, Mr. Tom Keen. Gotcha. Yes. So and and we were and we're talking about it, and I remember that was it a Pepsi commercial, and they did a takeoff on this. And the guy comes out of the cornfield. You got to see it on YouTube because it's very funny. And he's and that's he's what here. your Twitter feed is for. And it's 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 brilliant. And the and the and the guy says, I guess the Kevin Costner guy says, I saved six cents buying this uh, no brand soda. And the father's all ticked off. He goes back in the cornfield and he said, the kid saved a lousy six cents. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta look it up on YouTube. It's okay. funny. We'll watch it. All right, I'll, I'll look it up, this and then is, I will determine whether this, this is. is a white a White Sox home game. Um, and for folks who listened to the show we did with Rob Manford about a month ago about London, the way these games work is the home team, in this case the White Sox, tells Major League Baseball this is how much we would usually gross at home for a, for game, a, for a game. game against the Yankees, yeah. and then Major League Baseball will pay them that money. So, so the White Sox are not losing out on right. ticket sales or concession sales, et cetera. They will be made whole by that. Yeah, but if I'm a White Sox season ticket holder, I'm minus one game. True. I had to yeah. think about that for a second. Just, yeah. <laughs> Unless the team's right. taking you you know, to Iowa, yeah, you're down. Yeah, there's on, only you know, 8,000 seats in Iowa. Right. I can't you're, imagine everyone's going to You're only get, getting uh, 80 games this year, not 81. Well, just see. pointing it out. And I, I think maybe White Sox fans this season are okay with that. <laughs> Zing! Ron right Kittle is not walking through that right door. Oh, man. And finally. Ron Kittle. Yeah. Who would you? Colton Fisk? Which, which, white, which, which White Sox would you have said? Bo Jackson is not walking through that door? Who? I would have said Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. I would have okay. said Bo Jackson. Because okay. he's awesome. Yes. Finally. I would have said Paul Conerco. <laughs> good one. That's a good one, too. I can't, one. De- I can't deny that. Uh, the NFL is taking its first major step into gambling with a data deal with Sport Radar. I'll just chime in with their inequity investor in Sport Radar. So it makes sense. The who, the question always with, with the NFL was when and how much. And that's when I turned to Evan Novi Williams. Yeah, the, we've talked about all these other leagues who have rushed into data deals and also marketing partnerships. The NFL has been kind of conspicuously absent so far in making those agreements. Uh, this is the first big one, right? This is a this is an exclusive 
data deal that covers gambling houses both in the in the U.S. and overseas. Uh, I don't know exactly how much money, but it's one of, if not the biggest contract in Sport Radar history. This is a, a big deal. And, and we it, should say that Sport Radar has been, whether it's been brand promotion or to establish that footprint in the U.S., has been spending freely mm-hmm. to align itself with the major sports Absolutely, leagues. yeah. And, and the one, especially in the U.S., the one you really want to align yourself with is is football, right? The It, it is a just in terms of popularity and ratings, obviously it's huge, uh, but also from a gambling standpoint, it is the most wagered on sport in Nevada by a, a fairly long shot. Um, and, and yeah, the, the American Gaming Association last year put out its study of the four major U.S. leagues, how much each of them stood to gain each year in annual revenue with a vibrant legal sports betting culture. And the NFL was twice as much as the N- N- MLB Four or five times as much as the NBA, and even way more than that. Times. Bar, I'm going to make a request here because when you ask for the data from the folks in Vegas on on the betting, right? They don't separate college football and pro football betting, mm-hmm. or college basketball and pro basketball betting. I, don't you think that would be useful? Don't oh, you, yeah. you want to know I, what I the NFL is, yeah, what I, college football is? I mean, the NCAA tournament alone. When you're talking about dollars bet versus NBA. Why in the world are we not separating these entities? I don't understand that either. Because you would get a breakdown. Let's say, for instance, uh, you're making less money on college basketball compared to college football. What can you do to improve that if you are a betting house to draw more betters? Yeah. You need that info. Yeah, this is a question for the the the, the, the Nevada Gaming Control Board. Yeah. My guess is that they, there is only a certain amount of granularity that these companies want to disclose. Right. And, and and not separating college football versus pro football is just a level of abstraction that doesn't give but too in, much in a insight world where into where everybody they are. in this country is talking world, about, including Adam Silver, who was the country. first one out there. Yes. Right. It, who's involved here is is saying what we need is sunlight. What we need is transparency. That's those are the keys to the success here. We need transparency. All right. Well, then let's be transparent. Don't tell me about <laughs> there's only a level of granularity that, that they're comfortable with. That would be my guess. I, yeah. I understand. I, yeah. That was not aimed at you. No, no, no. I understand. Um, yeah. The, the the general consensus I've heard, at least in football, I think, is that if you look at it year by year, sixty percent of the football handle is NFL and forty percent is college. Um, I don't know the basketball breakdown, and obviously it varies a lot in, in March. Yeah, just you know, March certainly, is alone, you know, right. That's going to be college basketball heavy. Um, but, yes, I would also be in favor of, uh, of a more granular data there. we got to wrap, but uh, one of the worst things has happened to me now, and it happened this weekend. Uh-oh. What Online gambling oh, no, no. is in Pennsylvania now. Oh. And I would like to apologize. Oh, but wait, to wait, the- wait, wait. You drive through Jersey to get to work, don't you? Right. So you could have pulled over and been doing this all the time anyway. What do you mean, oh. could have? You're the guy. I've been doing it all oh, the all time, right. but so. now I can do it in Pennsylvania, right in the bedroom, just <laughs> looking at this right, right there. <laughs> what are and, you doing, honey? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the Jets are getting six and a half. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to apologize Sorry, Linda. to the Houston Astros oh, because they were playing the Baltimore Orioles, and I said, that's a good bet. Go ahead and bet big, the big money up, line on that. Big upset. Was, and yeah, Orioles was, over Astros. And it, yeah, and in the ninth inning, heading into the bottom of the ninth, playing in Baltimore, the Astros are up 7-5. I'm like, I got this. And all of a sudden, you don't got this. Baltimore, Riley 3 with a walk-off. And that was it. Uh, hold on. I'm going to give you a, just for friend of program listener, Jay Bieberman, by the way, our good friend Jay Bieberman. Mm. His daughter, Jill, played in the Maccabea games out in Detroit. Yeah. Championship game down in softball, down 7 1 
going into the bottom of the seventh inning. Eight to seven victory Ooh. to take the gold medal. Who's the closer on that? Yeah, actually? probably nine people, right? You got to keep trying whatever. It's just like no one can stop the bleeding. Congratulations <laughs> to Jill Bieberman. Uh, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Sosnick and Eben Novi Williams. We are here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business world. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online where you get your podcasts.